Hey, how are you? Don't miss me on my live Remember When tour. This Sunday, July 18th, I'll be at the Harbor Theater in Stone Harbor, New Jersey. July 21st, I'll be in Diamond Beach, New Jersey at the club on Diamond Beach. July 23rd, I'll be at the Bound Brook Arts Center in Bound Brook, New Jersey. Then my residency starts at Jackie B's in Scarsdale, New York. July 28th will be the first one at Jackie B's in Scarsdale, New York. Then August 25th, back at Jackie B's again. All you have to do to get tickets to see me live is go to joematterese.com, okay? If you want to advertise on the podcast, just contact the guys over at Chop Sports Media. Check them out, hit them up, and check out their brand new website that just launched just launched did i say just launched just launched chopsportsmedia.com hit them up if you want to advertise on the podcast or advertise on my tiktok page let's start the show hey folks we are back we are back for another Pretender to Contender episode. Ah, recording a little late. I apologize. I apologize. It's going to come out on a, on a Tuesday afternoon. <clears throat> Long week as in preparing for all these live shows that you hear I got coming up. Preparing like a madman, which is so hard to do as a comedian because we, we prepare <laughs> when we're performing. That's the way I really get it down. So, uh, you know, it's difficult when I'm doing these hour, 15-minute shows, remember when, and really preparing it as it's uh, working on the pictures for the show, on, uh, on my new uh, little clicker that I just bought to uh, run all the pictures myself off of my laptop here. Been trying to learn how to use that, which nothing's easy, right? You buy these things on the internet, and they have YouTube videos to show you how to use them, and then you try it, and it doesn't work on your computer, and then you got to reconfigure 900 settings. Unbelievable. I bought this Logitech. uh, It's called Spotlight. Anybody use it out there? It's really cool because it it does an an advanced version of, like, clicking through your pictures. And And I have this MacBook laptop. And, uh, you know, I use something called, uh, I don't use PowerPoint. I use this <coughs> app called, God, my voice sucks today. It's called Keynote. And just clicking through it with this thing and it can, uh, <coughs> my voice is cutting out. It can use, um, it, it, it can zoom in on pictures. It can highlight a picture in some way with this clicker. It, uh, it can vibrate in your pocket to tell you how long you've been performing or you want to have an anal orgasm while you're up there, you, you know. You could do that, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a pain in the ass to figure it all out. And then I have this other thing that I'm using for all the music in my show, and that hasn't even arrived yet. I'm waiting for that to arrive. Uh, this thing made by, let me see if any of you musicians out there have ever used this as the music I think is about to end here. Uh, we'll fade it out. But it's called Alto. Has anybody heard of this? It's called Alt. It's like an alto and basically you has xlr jack you can plug it right into your your mixing board and 
it allows you to do Bluetooth music right from your phone or wherever you have your Bluetooth Bluetooth music coming out of, and it'll go right into the board via Bluetooth. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how much shit I can handle on stage and then at the same time nail my show and nail my performance. So that's something I'm... I'm working on with it, and like I said, that that thing hasn't even got here yet, so how have I mastered that? (sighs) Anybody else out there, if you're a performer, you can relate. It seems like you end up spending more time on trying to sell tickets to your shows, doing Facebook ads, doing Facebook boosts, doing uh, ads on Instagram, um, posting every day, and then, you know, adding to your your TikTok page to try to get the views up to sell tickets. You end up spending so much time on the wrong shit, which any of you people that have been listening to me for years and probably watching my career know that that's probably something I suffer from is working on the wrong thing too much, or you you guys would say changing the idea too much. And, And I agree with you as I've humbled myself through the trolling over the years, I realized that there's a lot of, uh, you guys are correct a lot of the time. <laughs> so I'm trying to put horse, horse blinders on and really, you know, focus on the right things, which I, I know is, is the show, is the remember when show. But it, it, it's difficult because you do, you do have to sell tickets to the show. And if, if I can't sell tickets, no one wants to hire me to do the show. So there's a lot going on in my mind constantly, and then I, I try to hone it in. Just trying to uh, bring you into my world right here at the top of this episode, okay? And uh, I know I, I, uh, this isn't going to really be a pretender-to-contender real uh, on-the-motivational side episode, but I think it always it always connects to that theme in some way. But today it's going to be a very Remember When episode as I'm about to go on tour with Remember When again and really put a lot of time and effort into this thing. And there's questions that come up in my head, which is because there's a lot of music in the show, a lot of music from the 80s and early 90s. And there's even some 70s music at the beginning of the show as, you know, I talk about being a five-year-old at the beginning of the show and and loving Tom Jones and comparing Tom Jones uh, now and the Me Too statement, you know, and and him making out with girls in the front row and showing some concert footage of Tom Jones and the way he would act back then. That's kind of how the show starts because he was someone I idolized when I was a kid. He was like the guy that made me want to perform. He would, you know, he was really charismatic. Is that the word? Women went crazy for him. It's funny that I gave a shit about that at five. You know, there were two people. It's pretty classic that I think about it, that I loved Tom Jones. And then probably when I was like 10, 11, 12, I started really loving uh, Elton John. And I had a neighbor who knew I loved Elton John. And I remember him giving me an A-track. And on that A-track... Uh, it was early Elton John, and it had that song, Saturday Night's All Right for Fightin', 
We all know that song, right? I loved it, and I would jump up, pretend the um, pretend our couch in our rec room, which was a word they used in South Jersey. Anyone else have a rec room? I remember it had shag carpet, this orange couch on the brown and white shag carpet, Saturday nights are right for fighting cranked and I would just jump on top and pretend the top of that couch was a piano and I and I loved it and, and it's funny that it, you look back at yourself like I loved Tom Jones because you know he had the charisma and then I loved Elton John who had the charisma too and when you're a kid you have no idea that the person's like flamboyant and He's uh he's gay, right? You don't you don't even know that. You just know that people love him. I don't even know why I'm bringing this up because it really it really has nothing to do with it. But I'm just thinking it's funny uh, if you were thinking like, oh, of course you want to be Tom Jones because Tom Jones, all the the women went crazy for Tom Jones. What guy wouldn't want that? But then you go to Elton John and it had nothing to do with women and just everybody loved him. And I really uh I guess. You know, when you, uh, you're you born into who you are, right? It wasn't like somebody made me want to be a performer by doing something or something like that. It's just kind of in you. You're born that way. And, and, and that's what it was. And I was always really into that. So it connects with my Remember When tour right now because I can't decide if I want to use the the pre-recorded mp3s off of my phone have to run all this music while i'm on stage performing have uh you know the iphone on stage probably on a little table with a glass of water on it and have to deal with playing the music of course you could have somebody doing all that stuff for you but keep in mind guys this is like a business that's an expense. You got to pay somebody to run the music. Do I want to pay somebody to run the pictures too? Do I want to pay the same guy <laughs> to do the pictures and the music? I could do that. I could do that. Um, you know, somebody is, everybody always throws, so you just get an intern. You just get an intern to do it. If you've ever hired an intern in your life, you know, intern is a really short word for shitty employee. They're not usually good. You're not going to get someone who's amazing. Uh, Andrew Schulz is someone who pulled it off in a great way, which is you get comedians. You get people that are really interested, and they're young, and they want to they want to be what you are, and then it's almost like a paid internship for them. Those are the people you want to hire. So if anybody's out there... <laughs> listening to my podcast and you think you might be interested in that you might want to run the, the the pictures and the audio of my show and um and learn a lot and maybe uh you know it would have to be somebody who's interested in comedy who, who doesn't care about the touring and you know if you were funny enough my goal was is the opener the opener would do all that which right now i have those guys but i find that Whenever I let somebody do something else, I'm a fucking power freak. When I let someone do something else, there's usually mistakes. And I can't get mad at them because how can they give a shit about my stuff as much as I'm going to care about my stuff? That's just who I am. Why I have the, the better clicker than anybody else gets. You know, the Logitech Spotlight. I got to get that one. <laughs> 
And then, you know, I bought the stereo version of the alto. So it's not just my audio music in my show playing uh, in mono. If anyone even understands that, most people don't. They don't know that they're hearing music in mono and not hearing it in stereo. And I'm nuts. I care about it. I care about it. I want the music to sound great. Half the reason why I dabble with Do I Want a Live Band behind me. Is that better or worse? Some people will say it's not as nostalgic if you're hearing a, a band, a cover band, playing some of this music that you do. But only performers can understand what you gain with having the live band is it's so fucking fun. And when it's so fun, it makes it come through in your performance. If anyone's ever seen me where I've had like, uh, a guitar player and a singer on stage with me doing something. I've, I've messed around with that in the past. It makes me in such a good mood, and I, I don't know the reason. And Well, I should know the reason. I just said it, right? Tom Jones, I would jump around like him when I was a kid when he would sing, and I would do that too. And then Tom, uh, Elton John, I would jump around like him. And then as a teenager, as I got older... Uh, I would crank Van Halen in the basement and just torture my mom and sing into my guitar amp. And I didn't have a good voice, but I just loved it. I just loved it. I would jump around on my microphone pretending I was David Lee Roth, pretending I was, uh, you know, Getty Lee and Rush, uh, Ozzy, all that stuff from back then. I was always into jumping around and... and it, it, it riles me up. So that's where I get uh, wondering if this show is something like when you see these tribute bands. It's so big now, right? I've noticed these tribute bands will sell 3,000 tickets to a show and you'll go and you'll look. Their social media is way lower than what I have. Way lower. They don't have a fan base. People just come because it's... Uh, a band where the guy looks like Steve Perry and they sound exactly like Journey and they go out to see them. The ticket price is way cheaper. It's a fun night and they do that, right? And I was like, man, my show is kind of like a tribute band because it's remembering all these things from the 80s, combining it, you know, you could combine it with a band in a way. And um, I started talking to a friend of mine who lives near Atlantic City and he actually is the guitar player for this uh, Journey tribute band right now called Separate Ways The Band. I don't know if you ever heard him. The lead singer looks exactly like Steve Perry and sounds exactly like him. He's really good. They're excellent. And they do these shows sometimes for 5,000 people. And, you know, that's my goal kind of with this Remember When thing is that it gets like a residency in Atlantic City, you know. So now the production is being run by other people. I, I don't want to have to be the technical guy. I just want to go up there and perform my show and have, uh, you know, the people know it. Can you imagine if the actors on Broadway had to run their own music? <laughs> It'd be fucking impossible. No, you have, they have a director. They have the dancers behind them that are worrying about the dancers. It's like worry about your shit. And then when you, you, you realize the longer you're in the business, when you start having to be the one-man band and try to do everything, 
it's it's almost impossible. You need you need that team around you, as uh, I always say. And I guess that is a connection to uh, pretender to contender. You realize later when you really want to contend, how do I get that team? How do I get it to exactly where I want it? And you, and you really lock on that early on too in your idea. You're like, well, where's the goal? Do you want to keep doing it in these little theaters? Or what do you want with it? What do you see it as? You know, and, and that is kind of what I see it as, as, uh, you know, like a 500-seat theater in Atlantic City with the big screen and the smoke and the lights to really jazz it up. And and, and I think having that, that live band on stage with you to jump in and, and add little things and, and do little numbers, you know, little numbers that are uh, in the show. So... Why I'm really talking about this is this episode, I put it out to all the, the the listeners that I wanted to hear your favorite, your biggest remember when from the 80s and early 90s concert wise. What concert was your greatest? And, and I put that out and I got a lot of voicemails on this one. So thank you guys so much, everybody that uh, that called in. But as we always start off, uh, well, not always, but lately I've been trying to play stand-up clips. This is a clip from uh, Remember When, talking about roller skating growing up. And this is, imagine this bit, okay? If <laughs> this guy who looks just like Steve Perry in Journey at some point popped up into this bit. Uh, just imagine that. But listen, here's the bit. With you know the regular journey music and all that, check it out. I will, uh, I will play it for you right now. Number two was the roller skating rink. Once again, another place that was in the woods near Camden, probably Cuthbert Boulevard, the Cherry Hill roller skating rink. I don't know if it's still there. Probably not. It was an abandoned warehouse. Those were the skates I had, too. I didn't have my own skates. I didn't do that white or black skates. I wasn't the cool kid. Tan ones, orange stoppers. Skating up to the girl you wanted to meet. It's usually a girl that had boobs. It's before boobs came out. So, like, when you saw them, you noticed. You got very excited back then. Right, guys? We didn't even call them boobs. You had, like, another word for them when you were young. You'd be like, oh, my God, yabos. Oh shit, I love her. I'm getting her. You're like, crossover turn. Right? Now you're face to face with a girl. Once again, I got no game. I don't know what to do. I got braces with the rubber bands connecting my teeth. Looked like spit was connecting my molars. Hi. Hi. Hi, you really pretty? Wanna skate? Skate with me? Come on, I got a member's only jacket on. My parachute pants are so tight it looks like I had a vagina. Do you like me? Hi. Then if they couldn't skate backwards, it sucked. You were screwed. You didn't want to do this move. They had to be able to go backwards. I couldn't go backwards. I needed them to go backwards. 
Then that DJ would come on. I still remember this guy. Probably came on a mic. Remember this guy out of nowhere? Everyone clear the floor. Everyone clear the skating surface. This next special is a couples only. It's gonna be a lady's choice. This was definitely the song that came on back then. Soon as Journey came on, man, everything went into slow motion, didn't it? Now, don't think, don't think I would, uh, I would have, I would not have him come out right here. He would come out after, after I'm getting all the laughs. Sucked, didn't it, guys? It sucked for us, because that's when all the good-looking girls went to the bathroom, and all the mutants came out. Maple shade. Runnymede, Blackwood, Mount Holly. They're coming out of nowhere. Skate with me. Skate with me. I can go backwards. I'm like, good. All right, all right, all right. So there's, <laughs> there's the bit. Uh, so you might think, well, if the Steve Perry guy came out, who looks just like Steve Perry, it might, it might ruin them really focusing on me, right? You might think that. Uh, and, and you might have a point. You might have a point. Like, here is, here is this guy. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is him doing faithfully. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to play this because it's funny how you hear it. I love watching anyone else like this. When I watch like a tribute singer or, or someone who's doing some sort of lookalike, I always try to observe because you could sing like someone or look like someone, but when you're doing their mannerisms that's when i really like it when you're like like when you're just walking like i remember i had a friend who could do stallone which like i do stallone lots of people can do rocky you know it's it's not a hard impression to mess with right but what he did i remember he got out of my car once i dropped him off somewhere and he he left my car and he was walking like rocky when he left the car (laughs) just to get me to laugh and it had me fucking dying because he was doing the exact like, if you ever seen Rocky run, <laughs> that way he runs, it's fucking hilarious to me. And this guy who's doing Steve Perry, and I haven't met him yet. We're supposed to actually have a phone call today. I'm supposed to talk with this guy who's the lead singer of the Separate Ways band and, and see what we can uh, come up with. 
And if we even want to do this, if we even want to combine or even just have fun at a different show where we add him doing uh, some journey in my stand-up set at some point. So I love having fun like that and experimenting. But listen to this guy. I think he really does like just that banter that a singer does when they're talking. He reminds me of Steve Perry. Uh, Very similar to Mike Kunda, as you might say, from early on. Mike Kunda, remember when he said he didn't know he was doing or he didn't think he sounded like Stallone when he was just being Mike Kunda and everybody watching was like, dude, you're moving exactly like Sylvester Stallone. You don't even realize it. You've been doing it so long. It's become you. And I don't know if this guy's aware of it and when he's not doing the stage show... He maybe he makes his hair look different because his hair looks exactly like 1980 Steve Perry. Exact. And his face looks exactly like him. Except he's a little beefier. He's not like a really skinny like Steve Perry was. He looks like Steve Perry if he did a lot of curls <laughs> and benching. <laughs> but but the mannerisms and the banter where he's just talking to the crowd and to the to the band members is Steve Perry like too. So uh, listen to it. And anybody here who's got that special someone next to them or maybe that special someone home, whatever the case may be, this song is out to all those special people that we have in our life. The people that stand by us through thick and thin, that no matter what happens, they always seem to remain faithful. I'm hoping that this guy's not like Mike Kunda where he can't, like, as the Brits say, take the piss out. Like, we got to take the piss out of Steve Perry a little bit. Like, I would imagine him walking around the stage doing this Steve Perry-like stuff, and I'd be, like, kind of mocking Steve Perry in a funny way, like the way he walks around. And, like, I would probably air guitar. I would be doing some sort of shit to try to add comedy to the Steve Perry impression. You know, uh, I don't know exactly what it would be, but I know if you put me on stage and under the lights next to this guy doing his thing, I'll come up with it. <laughs> I don't know if it would be me 
like singing bad next to him faithfully like just being terrible to try to get the laugh <laughs> all right let's fade it out en- enough about my remember when because i i really do want to get to these calls great voicemails talking about people's favorite concerts in the 80s and early 90s and to stay on the steve perry and theme of my you know Remember when and and great concerts from the 80s and 90s. <coughs> I would uh, stay on this uh, Perry theme. I saw Steve Perry in concert. And I'm trying to guess the exact year it was. Because it wasn't with Journey. It was just Steve Perry by himself. And uh, I'll never forget it. I was dating this girl... Shelly, if you're out there, if she ever hears this podcast, her name was Shelly. I dated her for about, I guess we dated for about two and a half years. It was really early in my comedy career. She was never a fan of me doing comedy. Probably because I sucked. <laughs> so bad when you're starting that they don't see the stage charisma that it could be later. Like when I met my wife. I was like a headliner comedian by then. And she was seeing a perfected version of being a comedian. So it was probably exciting for her, even though she, she, you know, we didn't meet at a show, even though, but she did see me perform before we went on our first date. Um, That's kind of how, it's a long story. You guys heard before how we met on a blind date. My cousin set us up, but she was at a show that he was at and she, he saw her at school. They were both in the same PhD bro- program at Drexel and mentioned uh, that that was his cousin. And, you know, and then they ended up him and his girlfriend at the time set us up. So uh, back to Shelly. Shelly and I were dating for like two and a half years. I was a shithead back then uh, that I'm playing faithfully because I'm sure I was unfaithful. I wasn't sure about the relationship. She was a really sweet girl. She really was. We we stayed we kind of stayed friends over the years for a little while, you know. Um and uh how am I going to put this? She she idolized Steve Perry. She loved Journey to a whole nother level like she fucking loved Steve Perry. And I thought it was cool, you know, how much she loved him, you know. Uh, cause I wanted to be a performer and, uh, you know, that was cool that she, she liked him also and, and saw, you know, what I saw in a performer. So we shared that together, but I don't think my comedy made her even see that there was any potential in me being a performer. Cause like I said, I sucked. I was terrible when I started and she would come to shows and she didn't want me to be a comedian. And I started, uh, you know, fading in the relationship. But I wasn't mature enough to just break up. Like, I would just, like, be a shitty boyfriend or, like, cheat on her or almost cheat on her. Um, I think I hooked up with a couple girls, as I remember, you know. Sorry, Shelly, if you end up hearing this podcast, I apologize. But that that's what that's what happened. And I was being really honest. I'm being really honest right now. I was a shitty boyfriend towards the end and we broke up. 
And I started seeing somebody else that I ended up dating for eight years after her. And at the beginning of the relationship, when I broke up with one to go out with the other, I started to second guess that I shouldn't have did that. And I wanted to go back to Shelly. But Shelly wouldn't take me back. She had just enough strength to be like, fuck you. You fucking dumped me. No, I'm not coming back. You ended the relationship. Forget it. And I thought to win her back, if I brought her to see Steve Perry in concert, that that was going to fix it. (laughs) Fucking hilarious. I surprised her with Steve Perry tickets. I still remember this. This is a long time ago. So let's see. I started comedy when I was like 19. Maybe I was 21 or 22. I might have been two and a half years into stand-up. But still sucking. But still sucking. And, uh, and you know, I don't know. So let's think. If that's 89, 90, I started, it's probably 92, 93. It's early 90s. We go see Steve Perry in concert at the, it was the Tower? Is that what it's called? The Tower? It's in Upper Darby where I lived when I was five and I love Tom Jones. That's where I live from uh, newborn to five in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. It's where my mom was from. So uh, we go to the tower and we see him. And I've told the story before, probably on an old podcast. I remember like two songs in, I had to go to the bathroom really bad. And I can already tell. It's like Steve Perry's fucking killing it. Like these people are going crazy because he's not with Journey anymore. Maybe it was his first concert back solo. You know, maybe it was the Oh Sherry. It was that <laughs> that tour. I don't know what it was in '93. He must have had a new album out, and he was going around and doing gigs. I go to the bathroom, and there's this guy with tattoos everywhere. Looked like he was a Hell's Angel. Freaking looked like he had it showered in a month. Those silver rings on his hands, long beard. And he looks at me and with this scratchy voice, and you could hear Perry belting in the background, even though we were in the bathroom. And he just goes, Man, this guy's got a beautiful fucking voice. <laughs> I still remember that. And just laughing on the inside because I didn't want to get my ass kicked by laughing in this guy's face. But that I remember from the concert. And I also remember this because I'm going to play a clip of it. They actually have a clip. It looks like this is from 94, but he did this in the concert. He has his hair slicked back. So you can't tell if he's got the long flowing hair anymore for the beginning of the concert. Maybe the first five or six songs, it's just slicked back. And he's got like a T-shirt with a flannel over it. And all of a sudden on a fishing line, the tails come down on the stage. I mean, you know, he always wore those uh, tails, those tuxedo tails jackets. One of those comes down. It's red. And he's just looking at it, right? And looking at the crowd and looking at the tails. And the place is going fucking crazy. And they start doing... They're playing like a blues riff. And it goes into love and touch and squeezing. And it was such a fucking amazing moment. What a great concert. Steve Perry, solo, early 90s. The voice is unbelievable. Here's the moment when the tails come down and he goes into love and touch and squeeze. Now, I can't play the whole song. It's eight, it's eight minutes with the bit. 
But listen to this. This is this is the moment, and I hope it plays audio-wise for you guys where you, you could feel the energy. This says live in Toronto, Canada in 94. And it's a shitty recording. I apologize. What are you going to do? Quite some time ago. And uh, it was this girl, you see, I was in We had this, like, uh, relationship going on, you know? What happened? What you say? in mind the the hair is in the ponytail and he's gonna undo the ponytail he's going towards the jacket he's feeling it he's taking it off the hanger he just put the jacket on slowly I love this shit Uh oh, now he's going to the ponytail. He's pulling the ponytail that's going to his ass all the way out of the jacket. Now he's taking the rubber band off the ponytail and he's going to let the fucking hair flip free. <laughs> that's awesome. It's almost like a super mullet. It's short on the sides. It's kind of like when a comedian gets the laughs in between the joke, just off of a face. It's so much more fun being a comedian, getting the in-between laughs. He's probably loving that he's just talking here. 
Now, I think I'm getting my ex-girlfriend back right here. I'm like, oh my god, she's in heaven. We're gonna have sex after this show. Nope. How good is this shit? Fucking going crazy at this concert. I got chills right now. Even watching Steve Perry back then. Boy, is he missed. Boy, is he missed, right? Even if you're one of those guys, you know, like that's what that guy represented in the bathroom who looked like he was in a biker band. He represented all those, like, you know, machismo guys. You know, because they used to make fun of Steve Perry or, or Journey back in the day. You know, like, oh, it's not masculine, it's feminine. Only girls like Journey. But, like, at some point, no matter how masculine you were, you had to be like, the dude's got a great fucking voice. <laughs> you got to give it to him. He does. And uh, tough, tough to replicate, tough to replicate. So... We'll see where that goes in my in my live remember when shows. Who knows? You gotta you gotta try things and, and, and mess around with them. But keep the idea the same. Don't veer away. Don't veer away so much that you change it. It's gotta stay the same, right? Which we've learned over the years. So let's go to the phones. I really wanna hear I wanna hear uh everybody else's concert stories. And like I said, I got so many calls here. Um, let's see who we got on the, on the line first. Jeez, so many people called in. Uh, what are these all from? Are they all from Monday? Okay. They're all from Monday. So let's play the first call here. Let's see uh, who we got. Who we got calling in about your favorite concert from the early 80s, mid 80s, late 80s, or even early 90s. Hey, Joe, this is Scott from the Deli. Favorite concert from the 80s and 90s was En Vogue, opening up for Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam at the Garden. See you soon. <laughs> That's one of my uh, partners in the uh, in the Remember When shows at the uh, at the great Jackie B's. He owns a sandwich shop right next to Jackie B's where we're doing the shows July 28th and August 25th in Scarsdale, New York. And yeah, he owns the... Uh, Giannoni's, can I say it right? Giannoni's Deli, right next to it. This guy Scott's awesome, by the way. We have like hangs, hangs at his sandwich shop on Saturdays, and they invited me. I I, go, I went to one accidentally. Lisa, Lisa, and the Cult Jam. I love the way he say he said at the Garden. I love that fucking New York accent. Authentic guy. It's probably why I I like Scott because he's such an authentic guy. He's not trying to be the Garden. He just is. He is. As we learn in life, pretender to contender. How to become a contender? You be you. And that's why I like you, Scott. You're fucking you. You're great. Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam and En Vogue. I'm trying to think if I could even think. I, I, I knew all. I knew those songs back then, but I can't name one right now. Isn't that pathetic? I'm trying to think of a Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam song. Oh, my God. Does anybody got anything on that? Call the 
It's called The Hotline. We'll talk about it next week. Your favorite in Vogue song or Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam? Let me think. Because I played all that music back then. I was a DJ. In the show, I, I say it. He didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to be, but I was Italian. It just fucking happens. <laughs> you become a DJ at some point. There's All of a sudden, there's crates of records in the back of your hatchback. You're like, how did they get there? I didn't want to DJ. Well, you have to. <laughs> it's like part of the Italian uh, heritage. If you're an Italian-American, you fucking DJ at some point. Um, Lisa, Lisa, and the cold jam. Can't think of it. Oh, maybe I'll think of it before the show ends let's go to the next caller oh my god these are classic hey joe it's jerry rowan from philly calling from the jerry shore so my favorite my favorite concert from the 80s or the 90s it, it's hard because i went to a whole lot of concerts in the 80s and 90s but i'm, I'm gonna have to say in, in, in 1985 my two favorite groups or bands where were Bruce Springsteen and E Street Band and U two. And in nineteen eighty five I saw the U two tour of the Joshua Tree at the JFK Stadium and Bruce Springsteen came out and played Stand By Me and the clip's online, you can see the clip. But I was there with my sister and I was freaking out and I was screaming like like one of those girls you see screaming for the Beatles and those old clips. So that was that was definitely my Best concert experience. So long, guys. Dude, those are good ones right there. To see E Street Band and U2, that JFK Stadium, it's funny. I don't know if you're a little bit younger than me, Jerry. I think you are. You're younger than me. Yeah, you just turned 50. That's right. I got three years on you. Because that JFK Stadium, it's not there anymore. If anyone ever went there, it was when the spectrum was still there. It was in the parking lot next to the spectrum, but it was like 10 spectrums. It was like, you know, back then you could go see a concert. It was like going to like Wembley or something when they have a concert where there's like 100,000 people there. It's not like 50 or 60 or like baseball stadiums that they do concerts in now that are like 30,000, you know, or 40 that 45,000 you'll see like they'll do a concert at Wrigley where they'll do a concert at uh, Fenway and it's cool but there's a it's it's like when you do comedy at a theater like once you've been doing it long it's like you've done 500 people you've done a thousand people you've done 2,500 people which seems like a ton to someone who's not a performer but when I went to open for Bill Burr, and I also opened for Sebastian Maniscalco at the Wells Fargo Center, and you're doing 18,000 people? It's a whole fucking different thing. It's like so different, but the same <laughs> at, the, at the same time. Like, you didn't really have to change anything. You just perform to the people that are in the in the front and let everybody enjoy it, but at some point, in the middle of the show, and if anyone saw me open for Sebastian, I didn't do this when I opened for Bill Burr. I don't ever tour with my guitar. I brought it on stage here and there once in a while, but it was never something that was in my act. But when I got to do 18,000 with Sebastian, I was like, 
I got to bring the guitar up there. And now that I think about it, as we're talking about this subject, it goes back to wanting to be a rock star and feel that vibe on a stage like I'm Tom Jones, like I'm Elton John, like he's saying, like I'm Bruce Springsteen, like I'm Bono. <laughs> these are the same places that I got to see these concerts in, you know, and uh, you know, not Wells Fargo because I grew up that wasn't built. It was the Spectrum, which is probably my first concert. It was probably Asia. Heat of the moment, time will tell. That was probably my first concert, I think. Remember seeing Pat Benatar when I was young? Uh, but I think Asia was the first band. And then I saw Rush a lot. Like every time Rush came, I was at the Rush concert in Philadelphia. Loved Rush and would try to play all their songs on my guitar growing up in the basement. And I was in a band. We played like four songs over and over. All we knew is like Limelight by Rush, Comfortably Numb, and Paranoid by Black Sabbath. We would just play the shit out of those. I'm trying to think of the fourth song we might have known. Maybe Fly By Night. <laughs> we never had a singer. It's hilarious. We would just do the instrumental because we didn't have a singer. Remember one day we had a singer, this Spanish kid from our high school came over. And he was good and he had showmanship. But we were pussies and we didn't enter any of those battle of the bands things i wish we would have that would have been fun as shit you know but we never did it uh probably because we didn't have the singer and we did just for that one day but like back to the difference between two twenty five hundred, then doing eighteen thousand. why i say that is jfk with a hundred thousand plus where there's all field seats no one had seats on the floor you know, you didn't see that indoors, really. I guess once in a while it happens. But outside, it's all floor, and it's amazing. So when you talk about that, I can I can relate what it must have been like to see Springsteen or U2 in that kind of venue. Holy shit. Because that's where they thrive. They're the kind of bands that crush in, in big venues. Because I remember seeing Springsteen... I think I saw him I saw him twice or three times, three times. But one of the times I thought it wasn't that great. I was let down and it was like an indoor venue. And then when I went and saw him at the gar or at the uh, at the Meadowlands at a football stadium, rarely is a band better outdoors in front of the huge crowd like usually because the music sounds so much better indoors but bruce is such a performer that when he gets that hundred thousand people watching him eighty thousand people whatever it was he comes to life to a, to another level and then it makes him play more songs and go longer and really crush it you know so it's funny it's all connecting back to me and if i add live music or or play the mp3s it's so confusing because there it is cool here in the actual song but when there's a band there it just like i said it gives you it gives you new life it makes you feel like a rock star version of a comedian and i i've always kind of liked that now that i think i, I like it like sebastian I, li I like watching him when i open for him i enjoy watching him perform because he has a little, even though he's quiet, he's very subtle, but he's big at the same time. 
he has a rock star presence. He does. The people fucking love him, and it feels like you're at a rock show when you see it. It's different than other comedians. Uh, Dane Cook had that vibe early on, and, and people hated him for it, which is stupid. But it, when he was first fucking blowing up and he would come on Letterman, he would just come out and kill in a five-minute set like like a rock star, you know? Jim Brewer does it a little bit. When you see Jim Brewer and he did those shows with the live band, I'm uh, I'm enamored by that. I think it's cool when he does it. When he does his Im- impression of, uh, what's his name? Um, go look it up on YouTube because it's so fun to watch. When he does, uh, who's the lead singer of ACDC? Why am I stuck on that? Brian Johnson, right? Brian Johnson? That's his name, right? Yeah, he's doing that and it's so fucking great. And uh, he's doing Metallica and Lars and all that, and he's got the band, and it's it's fun, man. It it, it comes it it takes on a new, bigger, unbelievable level for a comedian when 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 you mix that rock star in there. So uh, I get it that JFK thing. Only concert I ever saw, or RFK. It's not JFK. It's RFK, right? Uh, did you say, or is it JFK? No, you're right. It's JFK. I'm looking at JFK. What's RFK? That's a bridge, isn't it? Isn't there a Robert Kennedy bridge? JFK Stadium. I saw The Who. One of those outdoor jams where The Who was the headliner with The Clash, The Hooters, all these other bands that were like, okay, you know. They weren't fucking The Who. The Who just fucking destroyed. It was nighttime by the time The Who went on. One of those concerts where you go all day and then you wait for the big band to come on in the nighttime. It's so much better in the night. All the lights, you can see them. It's just, it's like trying to do stand-up in the day. It's hard. All right. I'm rambling. I got to play these. I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Who we got? Joey Neese. This is TP from New Row. Best concert I ever went to was early 90s Lollapalooza. Randall's Island Downing Stadium. It was just phenomenal. Just there wasn't one particular group. It was a bunch of groups, but the atmosphere, the energy in the place, everybody in a good mood, having fun, doing all types of things, putting all types of things into their body to make themselves feel really good. It was just phenomenal. Great time, great memory, great energy, great people, happy place. If I can go back to one concert, that would be it. All right, Joey Neats. <laughs> TP signing off. Later. TP! Uh, his son and my son are friends. TP's the guy I talk about a lot. Who's like a big sports dad here. He was a legend. Legend. New Rochelle legend. He was the high school quarterback. Went on to play at, at Ford... Uh, not Fordham. He went to, on to play at uh, Iona. Iona College here. He was a quarterback there. He's got plaques with his name and pictures in the hallway at Iona College. Great, great dude. And he always tells stories with great details. He'll, he'll just walk up to me out of nowhere when I see him at my son's games. <laughs> he'll just bring up Ivoroni. He'll just mention like someone that was on the Sixers in the 80s. <laughs> And he's he's way younger than me, and I'm amazed because he's he's such a sports guy that he remembers 
shit from way back when. And I'm like, how do you fucking, how do you just bring up Ivoroni out of the blue like that? And he calls me Joey Neats because I always get bourbon neat. And we went to some party at a friend's house once. <laughs> and I go, I'll go have it, I'll have it neat. And he was like, Joey Neats. <laughs> That's all he calls me now. Love it. Love it. That must have been a fun concert, though, man. Lollapalooza. Yeah, I didn't go to any of those. Paloozas, n- n- uh, when they redid, uh, when they did uh, Woodstock again, and they did stand-up comedy. I remember some of my friends went to that. I never got to, I didn't get to do that. I never went to any of those big music festivals. I, I don't know. I think it's because I had anxiety really bad when I was young. And what would bring on the anxiety? Work crowds, you know, especially being in an all-day event, that just gave me anxiety thinking about it. Like, I could have an anxiety attack back then, being like, I'm going to be in closed quarters all day in a tight place for that long? I can't do it. Like, I can do one concert, but to see seven bands, I don't know how I did it when I went to see The Who. I must have forced myself. Or I was so young, I didn't have any anxiety attacks yet because I was like a teenager when I remember taking the train in to see the who in Philadelphia from South Jersey. That was a big deal for us back then to take the, the, uh, high speed line. You took the high speed line in the Philly and then took the, uh, I don't know what it was called. The broad street line to the stadium. Like you never did that shit when you were young. We were afraid of Philly. when We were young, man. That's where bad shit happened. And it is. I went to that Who concert. I bought drugs in the bathroom. I still remember it. Guy just handed them to me in my hands. <laughs> and he's like, here. I'm like, what is it? He's like, eh, it's mescaline, uh, pot, uh, black hash. It was like a fucking blender of shit. And I bought it. I bought it and gave it to friends and then told him afterwards, like, hey, that had a lot of shit in it. And one of my friends still hates me. <laughs> he still makes fun of me. He's like, thanks a lot, dude. Thanks a lot for that fucking uh, weird shit you gave me in uh, 1981. Uh, all right. Let's see who the uh, we got a lot of three Vinnie brands. But I think he had two bad ones. And then I think he told me, just play the third one. So we'll play his third one. Here we go. Hey, it's Benny Brand, stand-up comedian from Middletown, New Jersey. My wife and I own the Stress Factory Comedy Club. The very best concert that I went to in the early 80s was the Bruce Springsteen Born in the USA concert at the Meadowlands, the old Meadowlands in New Jersey. Homecoming for Bruce, 21 nights, I think it was. Anyway, I went to two of them, and the second one was the best concert ever. Place was packed, the place was jamming and rocking and rolling. The album was number one. Unfortunately, it was also the worst concert I ever went to because that concert clocked in at four hours and 51 minutes long. I love Bruce Springsteen and I love going to concerts. But at some point, you go from being worst to being a hostage. It was just too much. At the end of it, I did not feel like I was in Lucky Town at all. Come on, Bruce. Come back to Jersey. Three hours. Perfect. Four hours and 57 minutes. I got an FBI hostage negotiating team on the case. All right, that's it for Vinnie Brand. I'm out. <laughs> See, Vinny, I pick up on subtleties. I pick up on subtleties because I picked on up on something you said in that voicemail that I don't even realize you said, which is you went twice. You went twice, dude. So this is the thing. 
this is the thing about Bruce playing for almost five hours. One, nobody did that back then, and he knew that. So that made him stand out. That made him different. That made him this guy that the fans love to another level because this guy's playing so long that you were probably the only one that wanted it to end. Like, I'm the same way when people go, uh, they, they saw The Irishman, that movie, right? And they're like, it was too long. I mean, it, there could have been a half hour less. Like, I don't have a problem with long things if they're good. I don't. One of my favorite documentaries, there's two different music documentaries that are probably the, and I'm, I watch lots of documentaries. My wife and I have said this. We have a PhD in documentaries. We can tell in 10 minutes if we got to shut it off. One is if it's got the British accent as the narrator and you're not seeing anyone you ever heard of uh, on camera and they're just showing like this is uh, some guy it'll just say underneath his name some guy who likes drumming <laughs> you know it's like it's not the real drummer from the band it's nobody that's a famous drummer that you ever heard of it's just like all these people that are unknowns the footage is weak and like I said they always have that British accent the bad docs especially the bad music docs and there's a lot of them on amazon prime but there are good ones on there too so my wife and i we can tell the difference we know you got to look for the reviews too if it's got 80 reviews it's a shitty one you got to look for the ones that have like 500 and and over reviews that are like four and a half to five stars you know though on amazon prime that is that's how you can tell on that network so uh the two that are the best are fucking four hours long, which is there's a Tom Petty one. I think it's called Running, Running on a Dream. That documentary is phenomenal. I think it's four hours long. You just watch it in two days. That's what I do. And then uh, now you're going to say, well, you can't watch a concert if you go and it's five hours in two days. But yeah, you're, you're watching something that's unique and rare. And, and it's going to be a memory in your life forever, that five-hour concert you went to. You're not remembering that one-hour concert you went to. He's doing something unique. I'm, I'm against you on this, Vinny. <laughs> the other thing uh, is, uh, what was I going to say? Um, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say, is that you, you went twice. You went twice. Um so there was something, not, not many bands have we ever gone to see twice on the same tour. Now, I know that doesn't happen with comedians. Do you ever go, oh, he was at the uh, Stress Factory and we went to the Friday late show and then we went again Saturday early. Like that doesn't happen with comedy. And it's kind of why I get conf I think I might want to add the band aspect into my show to make it an even bigger show. Because you could go see that shit twice if it moved you in a way because the music brought you back even more with with the band and, and my show that you go, I got to see this again. But I get it. You might say, we would want to see it again if you didn't have the live band. All right, I'm contradicting myself. Let's go on. Who else we got? Who else do we got? Arnold from South Jersey probably would have been a great concert. I was headed to New York to see the Michael Jackson Bad concert with a good friend of mine named Joe Matarese. <laughs> and uh, 
ended up in the back seat of a cop car being arrested and having my tickets confiscated for trying to scalp him, which I wasn't even trying to do. I got snookered by some cop who gave me a sob story about his girlfriend. I think you remember that, Joe. Later. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to have Arnold on the podcast to tell that story detailed. He remembers every detail from it. True. We got our Michael Jackson bad concerts taken from us. We were from South Jersey, and we went all the way up to New York to see Michael Jackson, bad tour, Madison Square Garden. How great would that concert have been? And we got our tickets taken away by an undercover cop who, who made us turn into scalpers. Started asking us a lot of questions, offering us money. Next thing we know, we're like, fuck it, let's just go home. We can make some money and go home. We were at a weird time in our life that we used to love Michael Jackson. And then it became not cool to like Michael Jackson. Right then, before that album came out, I think he was on a, a downward slope for some reason. And it was not cool. Like I said, we were freshmen in college at community college. That's where Arnold and I met. And we were like, fuck this. We're not going to go see him. Let's just sell him fucking taken away he got a ticket i'll never forget it then we're in the car driving home and we never got to see one of the probably the greatest concerts of all time i would be probably telling that story not the steve perry one okay if we didn't do the dumbest thing ever which is let a cop trick us fucking terrible man it made us hate new york for a while too i think arnold still hates new york <laughs> because of that incident all right. What else we got? What's up, Joe? Big fan of yours. First concert, 1988, Guns N' Roses, Smith. So I get there with some older dudes. Right away, they start singing. They know all the lyrics. I'm like, you guys are fucking cheesy. Little I knew. Chicks love a man that sings Guns N' Roses song. So I don't know any of these damn songs. Until Welcome to the Jungle comes on. And since I'm black, you know, that's a perfect song for a brother. So I start singing that shit. <laughs> and this girl notices me. So I'm like, she's like, is this your favorite song? I'm like, hell yeah, this is my favorite song. You know what happens after that, my man? All night, missed the whole damn concert after that. In our daddy's car. All right, bro. Keep doing your thing, Joe. <laughs> I just realized who it was halfway through the call. My boy Frank. Oh shit, dude! I was thinking you were some like troll lion that used to <laughs> sounding racist. I thought you were some troll pretending you were a black dude. That's fucking great that you say. Welcome to the jungle. It's fucking funny, dude. God, is he funny? He's a uh, he lives on my street. This guy Frank is so funny, man. He cracks me up. Jeremy and I love you, dude. You make us laugh every time we hang out. Fucking big dude. Frank, great message, dude. I'm, I'm applauding that one. <laughs> you got laid from that one. Welcome to the jungle. Oh, fucking sweet, dude. You're the greatest. Oh, my God. Oh, I gotta catch my breath on that one. That's so funny. Oh, who else? No one's stopping that one. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think I just hit something. What I hit there? Stop it! Hey, Joe. It's Kevin. So, concert 
it's probably spring of 1990, and Millie Vanilli and Young MC were touring together. And it was, I think it was at the War Memorial, uh, Onondaga War Memorial up in Syracuse. And it was probably one of the best concerts ever in 1990 as a kid. Uh, watching Young MC come out, do Bust a Move, and then obviously he did the him and his Rob Bass song without Rob there, obviously. And then the open, you know, then comes out the main act, Millie Vanilli. But who would know today that one of my best concerts as a kid would be a fraud, a lip sync concert. That's it. <laughs> That's a good story, dude, that you saw Millie. Not many people have seen Millie Vanilli, right? Not many people, man. Not many people. Uh, shit. That's a fucking classic story. I would have loved to have I would have loved to have heard what it was like being at a Milli Vanilli concert cuz yeah, they 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 must have lip-synced, right? I mean, that's kind of what they did. So, uh that must have been crazy. I also I love any story like how uh, Frank just said he was the only person of color at a Guns N' Roses concert. Like when you're white and you're at a concert where you're the only white dude there, that's fucking just interesting immediately too you know because i remember going to one of those concerts that was like this is hilarious that i was there because it was like the headliner was patty labelle and then luther vandross went on before her they played together at the end also which was fucking incredible and then uh bobby brown was in new edition new edition was went on the whispers like i was the only white dude there and it was just fun you know people forget they they mention these times where i was the only white guy and i was scared or i was the only african-american person and i didn't fit in like i find it interesting i like the what about the interesting level of being the outcast because it's like you're you're watching you know I don't know if I could say this in a not racist way. It's just you're watching a different behavior that you're not used to seeing. And it's interesting to be at a concert where you're different than everybody else. And you see the way um, a black audience reacts to a, a, a black concert versus like a white audience, you know, reacts to uh, shit. That's what made Chappelle's uh, show so good when that Chappelle show was on the um sketch show he did was so good he did a lot of that i know i remember him doing a sketch like showing how white people just can't control themselves when they hear a guitar and he has john mayer did you ever playing the guitar and you just see them like having sex with each other did you ever see that sketch it's really funny and some people would say it sucks because you can't do the reverse which is true you know but i can on my podcast i can tell you that when I'm the only white guy at a concert where it's all, you know, a whole other ethnicity is there and I'm watching their behavior, it, it's fucking fun. I like it. They're fucking, they got, they get into it. You know, it's the same when you, I remember going to see a black comedian and being one of like four white people. I remember in Philly at the Funny Bone when it was there, it was on South Street, which is a very African American area. And when there was a black comedian, I mean, it was 99% black audience. I even remember performing there as a white guy. And sometimes it was fucking fun because it was fucking scary. You didn't, you didn't know. You could lose the black audience so fucking fast. You could be destroying and then you do one joke 
And they're like, mm, that shit is corny. That's what you would hear. That shit's corny. Yo, you're corny, bro. You're corny, boo. Get the fuck off this, boo. You would fucking lose the whole... F- Sometimes you wouldn't lose the whole room. Just one guy could fucking ruin the whole show and take it down. So uh, I, I I love that. I love that message. It looks like you got another one here, Kevin. Hey, Joe, it's Kevin. So Again? in regards to the concert, you know, I was thinking of my number two concert. And why I think it's it's got a good story to it is it was the fall of 1987, uh, New York State Fairgrounds, Whitney Houston. And the best part about the story is I had this teacher, and I'm trying to remember what grade I was in back in 87. Um, but all I know is the teacher used to play the album over and over again in class and to a point that Whitney was my favorite artist. You know, the Whitney Houston album, Whitney Houston. And, of course, at the concert, all I remember was singing every lyric to every song. <laughs> But I just thought I'd throw that one out there. I thought that was a pretty interesting one, too. So another great concert in New York State Fairground. All right. Kevin out. Dude, Those are that was a good one, too. Good message. Kevin, I would never have pictured you at the Whitney Houston concert. You got to know, Kevin is a pretty white dude that's leaving these messages. Uh, That's another one. You must have been the only white guy at that concert. So another thing that that makes me think about Whitney Houston, this will show you how another blown opportunity by me, not just me not going to the Michael Jackson bad concert. Uh, I won tickets to see Whitney Houston in concert right before that first album came out. No one ever heard of her. No one ever heard of her. And it had all the, what it's saving all my love for you. All those hit songs are on that first album, right? Uh, and I win the tickets on one of those radio call-ins. To, and I'm like, who the, I, who the hell's Whitney Houston? You heard of her? They're like, no, I don't know her. I think she has a new album out. I don't even go. <laughs> I don't accept the free tickets. Who does that shit? And then I don't go. Probably because my parents said some shit like, oh, you'll be the only white person. That isn't safe. You don't want to go. That was probably what it was. I, I, was, I was probably really young, trying to think what year... That came out. I couldn't have been more than 20, maybe 19 or something. I could be wrong. I don't feel like Googling it right now. Another blown opportunity. I would have been at Whitney Houston, her first album. How great she must have sounded. Fucking young, super talented, one of the greatest singers ever, Whitney Houston. And I miss it. Why? Idiocracy. (laughs) <laughs> a moron i'm a moron i blew it oh boy hey this is tom from the bronx oh god the best concert i went to in the 80s was probably a tie between live aid great day and also bruce springsteen's born in the usa tour that was a great show at the vet three hours long bruce in his prime 36 years old great show as far as the 90s go nothing beat u2's octung baby tour in 1992 uh, still probably the greatest visual and live show I think any band's ever put on. Wow. See? All right. I guess uh, you should have brought Vinnie Brand with you when you saw Bruce do only a three-hour show. He would have fucking said it was perfect. 
<laughs> you caught one that was uh, under five hours. Good for you, Tom. Seeing him uh, at the vet, born in the USA. Uh, live Aid, too, dude. That must have been unbelievable. Another one. That was JFK, right? JFK, Live Aid. I know I'm, I'm correct, right? Outdoor concert. Unbelievable bands. It's one of those, you know, events like a Lollapalooza. I blew that. Didn't go to Live Aid, and I was living down there. What's my excuse? I have no idea. That would have been unbelievable to see. Uh, get to see. What's his name? Get playing on in England and in America in the same day. I would have saw that. Nope. Missed it. Didn't go. You got to go see these bands, man. I'm telling you, now that we're post, we're post-pandemic, we can go start seeing these bands again. You got to do it. Who else we got? Who else we got? Joe, it's already. I drove down to Virginia. 1989, I think. So the Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan, and Tom Petty at RFK Stadium Outdoors. It was an experience. Again, an outdoor concert. See what I mean? You take it to that next level of people. And now we know where RFK is. <laughs> it's, the, it's where the Redskins are. No longer the Redskins play. It's Washington. I'm an idiot. Ah, Grateful Dead? Dylan and Tom Petty, that was on one bill? That's an unbelievable show. Oh, my God. You mix the dead in, so it becomes a dead show. And there must have been a fucking insane amount of craziness at that that you could have shared. We would have loved to have heard that, Artie. And then when you heard Joe, this is Artie. We probably all thought it was Artie Lang for a second, but it wasn't. It was Artie Tobiah who used to play uh, in shows with me. He's a singer-songwriter that also lives on my street. A lot of talent on our street, dude. Artie Tobiah Band. Go look him up on YouTube. Excellent singer-songwriter. Great friend. Good dude. God, I wish I would have been friends with you guys. I would have went to way more concerts. I would have had a lot of fun growing up. Let's see who we got here. Hey, Joe. Just wanted to... Colin, thank you again for playing the Welcome Back Cotter song. That was great. Uh, and I liked when you played Chico on the Man, too. I liked that, that. That was a good show back back in the day. You should do more theme songs on the podcast because it kind of, <laughs> it, it's, it's almost like Remember When. Like this? Like, you remember, you remember this song? So you can combine, like, Remember When and the other songs but I like the format I wish you uh, you'd have your wife on every now and then I liked her in uh, the old podcast so she was always a breath of fresh air and I liked you guys the dynamic I didn't like that one co-host you had with all the punchlines that, that wasn't for me but I like the new format I like how it's going right now and um you still talk to the Rocky guy? And I thought you guys were writing a play about Rocky. Is that still happening? I love what you're doing, man. Keep it up. That's a great message. You had a lot of questions in there. I don't know how to answer them all. A lot of questions. Uh, let's see. Thank God uh, this app transcribes your message here. Um I'll I'll answer the last one they asked is I, I haven't spoken to um Kunda, Mike Kunda, 
since our our breakup just haven't heard from him i think he canceled me out of all of his social media i can't even look at it anymore it's uh blocked from me uh i guess he hates me like i said i I don't hate him so it's fine uh but no i haven't talked from him And, and we had about i'd say we had a half to three quarters of that play written and uh I could still do that play. It's weird, man. I uh, I lost my love for Rocky. That should be a, that could be a whole podcast episode. Uh, I don't know that whole situation and like overdosing on Rocky when we were writing the play and we were doing the podcast together with such a Rocky connection to it at the beginning. It just made me fade. I overdosed. It's like if you if you watch too much of something or if you listen too much of something. You can get sick of it. Do you ever have that happen? Uh, so I, I stepped away from it. I, I don't know if I'll ever reconnect with that project and put that play up. It would have been such a insane amount of work to not really make any money. I think that's what kind of pulled us away from it because you're like, how? It, it's hard enough for me to get people to come and see my, my stand-up tour to, to come and watch me do a one man play, it would be like, I'd have to put so much work into it to do it once and have it be done. Or maybe I could do it twice, you know? Um, but who knows? It was interesting. It was the comparison of Rocky to my life. And in the play we were writing, I was on his Rocky tour and you were learning about him and you were learning about me and why we connect to Rocky and you're telling two life stories at the same time and then it it connects in a way which we didn't figure out because we were only a half to three quarters done and we were actually paying someone to help us write it we had a writing coach so there was money going into it that's kind of wasted now so or I mean not wasted because ideas always come back that's how it works um what was the other question you asked here, uh, you like all the songs, the, that's a great episode, great, uh, old, you know, that could fit in a remember when episode with all the old songs and all that, you didn't like the punchline guy, that was Andrew Steiner, we're still friends, he's a great dude, but yeah, we weren't, we weren't right to do a podcast together, he's just, he was way younger, and he has way alternative vibe, and he didn't, he didn't vibe with my style. We were so opposite. It's ridiculous. Like opposites are good. And then if it's so opposite, it just, it, it cannot work. And I don't think we worked as podcasters together, but I love him, man. He's fucking such a great guy. We hang out. We still hang out. Um, all right, let's get to this last call. I hope I answered all your questions. If I didn't, uh, email me. You can always email me, joeyspod at gmail.com if you ever want to ask me a question. If I didn't answer something, let me know because I want to answer those for you. That was a great message. Joe, what's up? This is Neil Fish from Never Shell. I'm calling to discuss, um, (laughs) just to say hi, really. I just want to see how you're doing. Glad glad things are, the the podcast is taking off and, uh. Uh, you know, I think we love all the same movies. I love I love your whole Rocky skit, you know. You're doing good with that. Um, but a key movie that I like to look at is um, Dazed and Confused for the obvious reasons and all the stars that came out of that, you know. That's a classic that we all should be focusing on. And 
and to find the next one with all the new stars in it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, if you want to get me live, we could talk about this all day, or we could talk about kids baseball, 13U. You know about. I got a lot. Take care. <laughs> it, it sounded like his Bluetooth cut off right at the end, and then it just went. It went uh, speakerphone right at the end. That's classic. Uh, it's classic, Neil. That your message. I guess you didn't read the text that I sent you because I wanted uh, favorite concerts from the eighties. <laughs> your mention of movie is hilarious, and it's hilarious that you said dazed and confused. Because that's like such a drug and drinking movie, so it made you sound like you're drinking or smoking a joint, and you called and didn't realize it was about uh, favorite favorite bands, concerts that you went to when you were young. Uh, but that dude, fucking dazed and confused. You're you're right that we do need to find a movie that's like an indie film where we, it's got all the actors that become big. Is that ever gonna happen again? I don't know if that can happen today, you know? It's like what Stallone has said about Rocky and how it got made, and it had such a Rocky story of how it got made. They kept offering him more and more money, and he kept turning it, turning it, turning it, turning it down. Um, and then they, um, you know, and how they took a chance on an unknown and made this movie, and how that'll never happen again because they don't take chances on unknowns. I think that's similar. It's like, is there going to be a movie that has a bunch of unknowns that some young, smart guy realized, you know, to put all these people into one movie before they're famous? Fast Times at Ridgemont High is another one. Look how many people were in that movie, you know? Sean Penn and, jeez, uh, uh, who else? <laughs> I always forget all their names. The guy, way to go, Hamilton. Who do <laughs> What's his name? That guy and Phoebe Cates. And then, uh, Jesus is pathetic. I'm on, I'm on the, um, what's her name? Jennifer Jason Lee's in it. I mean, there's, that, that has so many people in it too. And it's, it's another one from that same period. So I, I don't know, man, but that's a, that's a great point. And 13U baseball. Yeah. That, that's a whole nother fucking podcast we could talk about that for seven years him and i share stories and we get so angry about shit that happens with our kids and the sports you guys can relate but that'll be another podcast and oh my god was this an epic epic great one i hope you guys enjoyed it because i enjoyed the hell out of this podcast i think uh this uh feels more like what i want to do and uh i'm hoping you could feel it again as uh as we fade off to the end of this episode. Thank you guys for listening to another Pretender to Contender. I'm Joe Matarese. Follow me on social media at the Joe Matarese, at the Joe Matarese. If you want to advertise on the podcast or you want to advertise on my TikTok page or you can cross over and do both, just contact Chop Sports Media at chopsportsmedia.com. Yeah, baby. This was a good one, man. Uh, there was something that one of the callers said, too, that I didn't realize that I wanted to say, which was where they, two callers ago, he said, uh, I, I, I like this podcast. I didn't like this. I didn't like this, but I like this. Um, it's like what I said about the band members, the concerts. It's This is more being me. It's not me trying to do something. You know what I mean? Pretender to contender is me. I'm being me now. You feel it? I think you do. You do. 
Have a good one.